Hello and welcome to the Body Track Academy, created by EPs for EPs. We'll cover all things clinical, business, and personal growth to help you and the exercise physiology industry reach its potential. If you enjoyed this episode and find something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends to check it out. If you haven't already joined the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up, join our community of exercise physiologists, and access more great content. Welcome to today's podcast. My name is Ashley, and I'm one of the exercise physiologists here at Body Track. I have the pleasure of hosting today's podcast, and I have some really um, exciting guests joining me from another allied health organization just to discuss how we collaborate and work together to improve patient outcomes. So today I have Nicole Walker and Rachel Baker with me from McIntyre Health. Welcome ladies. Thanks, nice to be here. Thank Ashley. you. And they, like I said, they're going to be discussing the role of their roles in diabetes management and how we can work together to improve that client's outcomes. So I'll start with you, Nicole. You introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi everyone, thanks for having us, um, Ashley. So my name's Nicole and I uh, have been a dietitian for about eight years. Um, I was trained in New Zealand and I've worked overseas as well in places like the UK, Cyprus, and then I ended up on Australian shores. Um, I've worked in Brisbane and across southeast Queensland, now in uh, Gold Coast for the last few years. Uh, I've worked in diabetes since I started my career and I love working to help people to uh, manage diabetes for whatever they want to do in life, um, both type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, and also gestational or, or people that are pregnant with diabetes. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. Um, and Rach, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Ashley. So um, thanks for having us on. We're super excited to be here. So my name's Rachel, and I'm a credentialed diabetes educator. So my background is um, in the nursing industry, so I'm a registered nurse. And I specialised in diabetes and went down the postgraduate pathway. So I did further study in diabetes and have continued um, in the field. And like Nicole said, we do all types of diabetes. So whether it's type 1, type 2 or gestational or pregnancy. And um, I think one of the things that we love is being able to support patients to live their best life, even though they've got the diabetes. Awesome. Yeah, it's all about optimising that their patients um, health and quality of life so they can be happy and healthy all right well what I wanted to just first cover was um, how like one approaches to see both of you so is it something that they see the dietitian first and then the diabetes educator or do they see you kind of together because you work in the same organization just tell us a little bit how that kind of starts yeah, that's a good question and there's lots of different ways that people with diabetes can get to us. Often it's from their general practitioner or from endocrinologist and really the answer to that question is either way. It really doesn't matter. So you could see Nicole first, you could see myself first. Sometimes we get referred to at the same time. Otherwise I might see someone and then refer them on to Cole, Nicole and um, vice versa. So I guess it's a bit of a mixed bag and there's lots of different ways that it can happen but it doesn't matter who you see first. I think the important thing is recognising that um, there's a potential that the patient needs to see a diabetes educator or a dietitian, and then we just make that happen in, in whichever way that falls. Yeah, awesome. Um, I think a lot of the time I have clients as the exercise physiologist and 
they aren't seeing like a diabetes educator, but they have seen a dietitian. So it's nice to know that there's businesses out there or um, other allied health that we can refer to so they can get that collaborative treatment. Um, all right, so just kind of covering, you said that they can be referred from their general practitioner. Are they covered by Medicare or private health when they see you guys? Um, how does that all work? Yeah, so in terms of seeing a dietitian, uh, there's two ways to access funding depending on uh, what you have for yourself. So for someone who has diabetes, uh, it's considered a chronic health um, condition. And so they can access a, a plan through the GP, which entitles them to five sessions with Allied Health. And by Allied Health, it can be dietitian, it can be diabetes educator. So that's another way to access funding for, for someone like Rachel. Um, it could also be someone like podiatry, um, exercise physiology. So that one there is kind of shared between different Allied Health. And it depends on your personal needs or desires to who you want to see. Another way to access funding for a dietitian, unfortunately not a diabetes educator, um, is through private health. Um, and it depends on your level of cover of your extras. So um, it's not generally like a basic level of cover, but if you have like an intermediate or a higher level of extras cover, it generally um, includes dietetics. Yeah. Um, just to, to note as well that the best way to get a referral, especially through that chronic health um, plan is through a GP. However, we um, people can just book an appointment as well. There doesn't need to be a referral. And of course, other allied health can refer too. Awesome. And for anyone that's listening and they might be looking for a diabetes educator or a dietitian more specialised in diabetes, we'll make sure we add the link to the bio so that you can get that access to McIntyre Health's website. Um, just while we're going along those lines, I thought I would also just ask if um, when the client does come to see you, if you think it is important that they that you are collaborating with the other allied health team. So um, when do you reach out or have you reached out before they come to see you? How does that happen prior to meeting a client? Yeah, so other allied health teams are, I think, crucial to achieving optimal diabetes care. And I think we always need to look holistically at the patient. So it's not necessarily just the medications or the numbers that we focus on, but the bigger picture. So in terms of the education, from my perspective as a diabetes educator, in terms of the diet from dietitian, we've got exercise physiology to make sure that, that um, our clients are moving and then things like podiatry to make sure they're doing it in a safe and a comfortable way. Um, as Nicole said as well, physiotherapists can be included in the allied health plan um, as well as psychology. So having a mixed bag of health professionals looking after a client with diabetes is really important because it means we can cover all bases and it means that the patient's going to have the best possible chance at achieving optimal outcomes because we're really supporting them as an individual. Yeah. yeah, and we do collaborate um, quite a lot at McIntyre Health. We, I guess that's one of our big values and enjoyment and working together as a team is that we, we write letters to your GP, to your endocrinologist, to your other allied health, um, as long as, of course, you permit that. Um, but we like to keep a team environment, um, much as you'd see like in a big multidisciplinary team in, say, big public hospitals. Um, that is, I guess, the gold standard of diabetes care. Um, so we, we really value keeping up that communication and bouncing off other professionals. Yeah, I think that's something that here at Body Track we really value as well. We're 
very much trying to keep a holistic approach and reaching out to other allied health professions to pop that client in the centre of all of those um, support systems, I guess. So we, much like McIntyre Health, have that same kind of small business approach, but looking at what is most successful in communication and support um, for the client is number one gold standard. I was just going to ask as well, when you do get a new client, how often would you have to refer them on to like a specialist, like an endocrinologist? Is that most of the time, some of the time, or I guess independent, individualised? Yeah, it's a very individualised, um, I guess, answer to that question. So it depends on the type of diabetes, the duration of the diabetes, and also the complexity or other comorbidities. Uh, as to whether we need to include a specialist endocrinologist or if it's okay to be managed through the general practitioner. Um, And, of course, it depends on comorbidities if we need podiatry and physio and exercise physiology as well. But, um, yeah, it's a very individualised approach and it's basically looking at what the client needs and who who can best help um, to give that care that we need. Awesome. So for an exercise physiologist like myself, if we start to notice changes in people's, uh, our clients' diets or their sugar levels may be starting to become a bit higher or not as well managed, when is it a good time for us to get in touch with um, with either either of you? Is it straight away? Is it kind of monitoring it for a, a little while and then if it really doesn't change, then referring on? What would be your, your best advice for an exercise physiologist with kind of um, a question above their head, I guess? Uh, so in terms of referral to dietitian, um, I mean, in reverse, like for example, if I meet a new patient um, and I do a full assessment, I would always ask around exercise and I imagine it's the reverse with exercise physiology, asking a general question around diet. Um, I think it's something that I would always, I guess, offer or touch on in the beginning. You know, do you do you seek an exercise physiologist? Do you, do you um, engage with personal trainer or um, any exercise professionals? Uh, and then at that point, if it is something that they um, require help with, then it's it's a great opportunity to be able to, you know, link them in with someone who has a specialised interest in diabetes. Um, and so I guess in the reverse, uh, with any general diet questions, either at your GP or with exercise physiologists or other professionals, um, is that, you know, it's great to have, I guess, a dietitian on hand or an option for that person um, and to, I guess, offer it or, or see where they're at with that um, because they may just start telling you about, for example, diet or they might be concerned about their weight. Um, so it's nice to be able to say, well, here are your options. Yeah, and I think there's that diabetes stigma that um, with this week being National Diabetes Week, the Diabetes um, Australia are really promoting sometimes there's these preconceived ideas with they with their diet that they have to eat a certain way or be on a certain diet. So it's good to have that as an option just to say, hey, I've got a dietitian that I can refer you back to um, just to talk through those options. Or um, if it's, in, I guess, in the other way, looking at their medications with UH, if they just feel like they're on all these medications and they're not sure, we can refer you back just to have that conversation and they can become better educated. Yeah, definitely. And I think at any point with any of the allied health professionals, we sort of, um, you mentioned, do we monitor or do we notify? I think always in the first instance, we just notify. Because if all of the team 
um, is communicating really well and we know exactly where the client is at, I think that results in better outcomes across the board. So even if you're unsure or you think, oh, I could just sit and watch this, I think it's really important um, to, to include that into your letters and write emails and let the rest of the allied health team know what's happening and then we can all keep an eye on it together essentially. So, yeah, I think notifying um, and monitoring at the same time is, is equally important. Awesome. All right. Let's move on. Um, let's talk about what a common day looks like for you, you two. So we'll start with you, Nicole. What does your day tend to look like? Because I know you've got your hands in a lot of different baskets at the moment. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, so I uh, work part-time in private practice, both as a sports dietitian and um, in predominantly diabetes um, clinical care. And then I work uh, part-time for Medtronic in the diabetes um, I guess, realm, where I help people to start on insulin pumps and I teach healthcare professionals about how to um, maximise patient outcomes on um, insulin pumps. So my days are very varied across a week. Um, I also uh, practice in different locations. So I have locations in the Gold Coast, uh, Brisbane and Toowoomba. Um, so certainly seeing Sounds South very, East very Queensland. Busy. <laughs> <laughs> how do you schedule all this? <laughs> um, yeah, a good diary. <laughs> but no, I really like the variety. And I guess like a typical day in clinic um, would be, um, yeah, I guess seeing patients, uh, both uh, the combination of face-to-face -face and telehealth a lot at the moment, yeah. uh, which is great because, you know, it means that people can catch me in their lunch break from work. Um, and then uh, we can also, you know, have a Zoom, um, I guess, consultation a bit later in the day. So if that's easier for that person, or they can come and see me face to face um, for that, you know, one on one care as well. Yeah, I think telehealth has unlocked a whole new dimension um, with COVID and people accessing their healthcare. So that's cool to hear that you guys offer that service as well. Um, likewise with exercise, we have that as a fallback when people can't make their sessions or they might be stuck at home. So. Let us know if you are wanting to exercise and you might feel like you're too far away from Brisbane. You can always get in touch and we can um, link up via telehealth. Rach, let's talk about what your day looks like because I'm sure it looks very different to Nicole's. <laughs> well, surprisingly not too dissimilar. Um, I have clinics in the Brisbane area as well as Toowoomba, um, as well as mixed telehealth as well. Um, I currently work privately with McIntyre Health a few times, a few days a week, and I also work in the um, public system. So previously at the Queensland Diabetes and Endocrine Centre, and now at Queensland Children's Hospital in the diabetes department. Um, so I could be at the hospital, um, or I could be working in a private clinic. I also work for the University of Technology in Sydney, so I do lecturing and marking there for postgraduate students in diabetes education. So um, you could find me marking on a day, or um, I study as well, so I'm doing a nurse practitioner master's in diabetes, so um, I could be studying. So yeah, all my days are quite different, which wow. is good. Keeps me on my, toe, my toes, um, it keeps me quite busy. So yeah, that, that's yeah. a typical day. I mean, I'm very lucky to work in a private clinic where we have two different locations and I already find that challenging. I can't imagine jumping around where you, you two go each day and knowing where I'm meant to be. <laughs> um, awesome. So what I thought we might do next is just kind of dive a bit deeper into some more specific questions that might affect our clients a little bit more and questions you might both get asked more regularly. So feel free to just jump in if you feel like you have the answer for the questions. 
first one is do certain foods affect medication or do certain medications affect food um, surrounding our diabetes? We can talk specifically about type 1 or type 2. You can kind of cover a bit of both, angiostational and our other types of diabetes. Um, yeah, what do we have to be aware of? Um, I'll take this one to start with. Uh, so in terms of foods that affect medication. I think with diabetes, the key, I guess, interaction or the key one that is important is that um, carbohydrates turn to glucose and insulin absorbs glucose. Insulin is a, a key, I guess, medication a lot of people with diabetes, particularly, of course, type 1 diabetes, um, need to be on. Um, so it's not necessarily that it affects it in a contraindication way. It's just that it's got a very close relationship. And I guess if it's not well matched, it can lead to low blood glucose levels, hypoglycemia, or high blood glucose levels, hyperglycemia. So it's predominantly about how well the medication is matched to the diet. Um, in terms of other medications, so probably more so for people with type 2 diabetes. Uh, for example, uh, metformin is a very common one that's used. And it doesn't, once again, sort of contraindicate any foods, but people that are on metformin for a long period of time can develop B12 deficiency. So that's one that often GPs will um, screen for regularly to ensure that that person hasn't had um, B12 deficiency as a result of metformin use. And it's not necessarily that we stop metformin if that person has had that, it's more that we supplement the B12. Um, other than that, there's not really any big contraindications, I guess, with uh, diabetes medications and certain foods. Um, nothing like sort of warfarin or anything like that. Um, but it's more the balance of the medication versus what they're eating for yeah, glucose levels. I think, particularly with my clients when we're doing exercise, one of the most common um, statements I always hear is, I can't eat carbohydrates because it affects my diabetes. So I think, obviously, with exercise, we're, we're worried about the, ex the energy out. So we want to make sure that they've got enough energy in their system to be able to exercise safely. Um, how do we go about just better educating them, I guess, when they do make that kind of statement, I can't have carbs, what else can I have? Or what do you eat for lunch? Like, so they can get more ideas. What would be a good answer for that, Nicole? Um, so I think it is one of the common sort of stigmas out there is that people with diabetes can't eat carbohydrates or can't eat certain types of carbohydrates. Um, and that's that's certainly not true. Yeah. It's Some people may choose to follow a lower carbohydrate diet. Um, however, for enabling things like exercise, it can be quite useful to include some of the I guess, the beneficial carbohydrates. So I like to talk about beneficial carbohydrates as things that have nutrition. Yeah. So anything that's very high in fiber. Um, so um, things like more your basmati rice or quinoa or those sort of grains um, and things like, say, bread that has a lot of seeds in it. Um, legumes, fruit uh, is also one that can be a lower GI. Um, and can be used nicely in a in a well balanced healthy diet for people, including with people with diabetes. Um, and then, of course, there's carbohydrates which are required for things like hypoglycemia or low blood glucose treatment, um, which is important to have on hand, particularly if you're doing something like exercise, which tends to lower blood glucose for a lot of people. Um, so I guess it's just reducing that stigma and that it's not necessary for someone to avoid carbohydrates. And I guess as a a healthcare professional or um, 
it's just saying, you know, how confident do you feel about your eating um, and what you can eat and what you, um, and I guess how you're eating. And that's where a dietitian can come in really helpful as well to reduce that. Yeah, and I think as exercise physiologists, that's kind of what we try and um, educate on as well. We, we, it's, we say to them it's not that you can't have it, it's about eating it in the right proportions. So mm-hmm. seeing a dietitian is your best access point to try and work out what's right for you. Um, and it might mean that you can have little bits of um, some things you thought you couldn't have. So I do really try and encourage my clients, if they're not 100% sure or they haven't seen a dietitian, to see one, just so they have an, an idea of what they should be eating anyway. Whether they follow that plan, that's on them. Mm. But I think the more education we can provide, knowledge is power. So that's going to put the client in a better um, position. Yeah, and I will just say that there's even, you know, for, for people with particularly type 1 diabetes, yep. they can eat um, a very normal diet. diet and in particular, yeah. we have we have athletes on type one, with type 1 diabetes that eat very high carbohydrate diets with um, great glucose control or even non-athletes. So um, it's certainly not the only way to manage. Yes. Um, it's just how the balance of carbohydrates and insulin. And, and, and yeah, just trying to reduce that stigma so yeah. they know that it's not, they have to cut that completely from their diet. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on, Rach, you might be a good contender for this one. What can a client do if they don't experience the warning signs of a low blood sugar reading? So that kind of hypoglycemia unawareness, because I guess with exercise, there is a very strong effect that post-exercise this can happen. And if if a client's never been in that situation, um, they might actually think they're okay and something potentially dangerous could happen. So... Um, just talk about that first and then you can always relate back to exercise if you like. Yeah, definitely. So low blood glucose levels or hypoglycemia is a really important consideration when we have a person with diabetes exercising. So the biggest answer to that is monitor. So monitoring is crucial. So that's um, before exercise and in the initial phase, perhaps during exercise as well, as well as after. And we know that the effects of exercise can be short-term but also long-term. So they, um, for example, for a high-intensity Uh, interval workout or resistance training that could affect the person's blood glucose levels for 12 to 24 hours after so monitoring is a key point for starters a hypoglycemia unawareness is definitely something that can happen Um, and it's this would be a really important part of an exercise physiologist assessment in the beginning to establish where they're at with their diabetes and whether they experience that it can happen um, sometimes it's just something that people have but also if they're experiencing recurrent hypoglycemia can diminish their um, body's responses to to let them know they're having a hypo or if the person has had diabetes for an extended period of time and again they've started to lose that that body's response to when they're having a low blood glucose level so that's one thing that you can always refer back to allied health for because there's lots of things that we can do especially on my end in terms of education to get them set up on really good monitoring devices for this um, such as continuous glucose monitoring or flash glucose monitoring um, but also ensure that the medications are acting in the way that we want them to so if they are experiencing these hypos what can we do to avoid them occurring in the first place yeah awesome and I think in our initial assessment with new clients as exercise physiologists we're always checking for signs and symptoms at rest and if they've done any physical activity before but it's sometimes with those longer term clients that you've been seeing for a while their glucose levels might be coming down they might have lost some weight and they've kind of just fallen out of routine with being aware of those symptoms so 
I think, yeah, that's a great point. We can always refer back to our allied health team if we do have any concerns or we want to further educate that client. Yeah, definitely. And, and I guess one of the key messages is if they're feeling slightly not right, just to stop and check. You yes, know, always, absolutely. if in doubt, you get your meter out and yep. check what the blood glucose level is. Because like sometimes, that. yeah. If in doubt, <laughs> get the slogan. meter out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you're always better off just checking to see where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, let's move on to our type 1 specifically. So how is management of type 1 best done with our medication and diet? Because I know sometimes this can be tricky um, to balance. Yeah, so that's a loaded question. Um, (laughs) I know. (laughs) So I guess um, something to say is that there's no Rolls-Royce of diabetes management. Nowadays, we have a lot of options. There are a lot of treatment therapies that we have, which is excellent, Um, but it provides a lot of choice for the patient as well. There's lots of different ways that they can go to manage their diabetes. Uh, Medications is obviously a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically with type 1, it's going to be insulin. There are lots of different types of insulin now, as well as different ways to deliver the insulin so things like insulin pump therapy where they can continuously infuse short short acting insulin is a very effective way to manage type 1 Um, and then alongside that monitoring is a really key point because having the data and having the insight into what the blood glucose levels are doing during the day is how we can really optimize our doses uh, and achieve optimal outcomes so things as I mentioned before Continuous glucose monitoring devices or flash glucose monitoring um, is is almost like a gold standard of care now. Um, But I think it really comes down to the individual person and figuring out what is going to work best in their lifestyle because that's that's different for everyone. Yeah, and I mean, look out for future podcasts because me and Rachel will be discussing what are our best um, types of glucose pumps we can use and different brands and we'll have further discussions on that um, in our next kind of podcast together. Nicole, diet, (laughs) what do we have to be considerate of with our type 1 diabetics? Yeah, so in type 1 diabetes, um, there's kind of two needs for insulin. There's a background or basal insulin that runs all the time, which could be through the pump or it could be through a different sort of insulin. And then particularly from my perspective, there's what we call a bolus insulin or thinking bowl of food. So the bolus insulin is for meal times and for potentially also correcting a high blood glucose level, bringing it back down to a target. Um, so my role and I guess when we're managing type 1 diabetes with food, ideally it's matching uh, the amount of carbohydrates that that person is eating at a meal, one meal, with the correct dose of insulin for them. So we do that in a way which is called like a carbohydrate to insulin ratio and the person will learn to count carbohydrates. And for some people that could be, they perhaps prefer it down to the gram, but others prefer like a bigger picture and that's often a a great way to to count because it's not as exact or scales and that sort of thing. Um, So they could learn in portions or exchanges, say 15 gram exchanges, and then we might give a dose of insulin based on an exchange. So it could be, say, two units for 15 grams of carbohydrates or covers 15 grams. Um, and there's a lot of technology which can help with the maths. So we try and, of We're course... We're not all maths friendly. I appreciate that. <laughs> if you do it all manually, there's a lot of maths and it's, um, your poor old brain gets very tired. <laughs> so people with type 1 diabetes have enough decisions to make so uh, Rachel and I you know we work really hard in trying to reduce that burden um, 
If someone is on a pump, uh, for example, there's a little brain built into the pump that uh, does all that calculation for the person. So all they need to do is look at their food and make an, a decision on how many carbohydrates there might be, put that into the insulin pump, and then the insulin pump will say, you need five units for that. Yeah, wow, that's that's incredible. That technology is awesome these days. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And there actually is some really good apps for people. Don't feel left out if you're not on a pump <laughs> because there's some great apps if you're using injections um, for your bolus, remember your food insulin, um, that can also work that out. So you can put it into an app on your phone and the app will tell you you need five units for wow, that meal. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. So much extra help to reduce that extra burden for our diabetes. Mm -hmm. um, just quickly, I wanted to ask another common question with our type 1s is when is the most appropriate time to exercise? So um, if you've had insulin, when, how much time should you wait until you exercise? Because I think, again, it's something we need to be mindful of and make sure we're not putting anyone into the danger zone of hypoglycemia. Yeah, um, and I guess this is very individual. Exercise is probably one of the most individual things with type yeah. 1 diabetes. Um, and it's, I guess, after a meal, we just need to be really careful because the peak of insulin action is around two hours after we dose. So if, say, for example, someone has breakfast then goes to the exercise session, mm -hmm. they could be at the peak of their insulin. And it's not necessarily that they need to avoid exercise at that time, but we certainly need to adjust the insulin for exercise yeah. if we're going to be exercising at that peak time yeah yeah so i think um exercise physiologists just have to be aware if you do have a client on insulin whether they're type 1 or type 2 that at least two hours has kind of gone by before their um either moderate or high high intensity exercise is being performed so again something you can always refer back to your allied health team um, and ask questions if you're not sure with your client Yes, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Nick. All right, last couple of questions to um, cover. With our gestational di type, uh, diabetes, when should a client see a diabetes educator or a dietitian? Do they need to see either of you? How does that work? Because this is an area I'm not too, too aware of at the moment, so I'd like to know more. Yeah, so with gestational diabetes, definitely both. A diabetes educator and a dietitian. Yeah. Um, we want to make sure that, because really we've got a nine-month gap so or a nine-month window of opportunity. So in that time, we want to provide as much support as possible and as much education as possible. And with gestational diabetes... The diagnosis of it um, can occur at varied stages throughout the pregnancy. So as soon as the woman has established that she has a diagnosis of gestational diabetes, at that point the referral should be made to the allied health specialists. So okay. diabetes educators, exercise physiologists, dietitians, I think that's really important to get that um, started in the first instance because things can change really quickly with gestational. Yeah. And quite often you don't know which way they're going to go. Are they going to need insulin or are they not that's something that you have to monitor really closely throughout the whole pregnancy so um as i said that initial referral is really important yeah and i mean as an exercise physiologist we tend to see them maybe post diagnosis so they've been diagnosed and then they come to see us for safe exercise to optimize their pregnancy um, and delivery outcomes so yeah it's good to hear that um seeing you guys first to get that education and that guidance and then you can pass on to us um, as we start to get them moving. Yeah, um, gold standard for um, 
gestational diabetes in the initial sense is diet and lifestyle modifications and then from there um, progressing on medications if required. So within a week, like if I got a referral, I would short track that referral and get them in as soon as possible within yeah. a week. Um, and I guess there's other factors as well, like, for example, gestational weight gain. If um, we can uh, mitigate or reduce gestational weight gain, then they have better outcomes. Um, so a dietitian can help with that. Yep. Um, and then thinking after pregnancy, perhaps if, if that's when you tend to see them, uh, as well as that someone that's had gestational diabetes, generally the diabetes would go away um, mm-hmm. initially after um pregnancy sometimes it doesn't and that's generally a sign of that they've actually had a um, undiagnosed sort of type 2 diabetes um, so that can remain after pregnancy Uh, but certainly even if it goes away that person is at high risk of type 2 diabetes so it's a great time to see exercise physiologists dietitian a team um, to reduce the risk of developing type 2 or gestational diabetes in a subsequent pregnancy yes Perfect. I was going to ask about that, so thanks for covering that, Nick. Awesome. All right, well, that is um, all my questions that I have for you ladies. I just wanted to ask if you've got any other final advice, recommendations from um, each of you for clients or for other allied health professionals, um, just to finish up. Yeah, sure, thanks. Um, all I can say is I think for for people with diabetes who are listening, just get your team around you and get a good team. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, GPs, endocrinologists, exercise physiologists, dietitians, diabetes educators who you're working with, it is a complex condition. And um, so one size doesn't fit all in terms of a health practitioner. So um, ask questions about who's around, um, who you can get referred to, and get your team. Um, and then you'll feel... Uh, I guess, empowered by managing your diabetes yourself um, with that good team. Um, To health practitioners listening or exercise physiologists, um, same again is that we love linking in with the team and I think it's so great to be able to say, you know, um, how's your exercise going? Have you got a professional there? Um, So I think it's really worthwhile getting a team around you that you can help a person with a chronic issue such as diabetes. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. And thanks for having us. No worries. Great. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us, Ashley. It's been really good. Um, and it, it's really good to share this message, especially in the context of um, Diabetes Awareness Week. So that's yep. excellent as well. Great timing. Um, but as Nick said, n- there's no um, one size that fits all. So being able to care for a person with diabetes holistically um, is key. And if we're in the spot where um, we're getting them a diagnosis and all those initial referral, referrals, um, we love to be able to push that on to allied health because it means that the person's going to understand the benefit of exercise and what that can do for the absorption of their insulin or the amount of insulin that they need. Um, and, yeah, as Nick said, just get in touch because if we can all keep in close communication, the patients love it. They love to know that they've got a team behind them and we all talk together because they don't have to keep repeating their story every time they, they see an allied health professional. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think um, with my own clients I have, they love hearing when I said, oh, I've talked to your dietitian or I've talked to your podiatrist or I've got your results from your endocrinologist and they kind of feel like they're actually um, being talked about and that people are considering their care seriously. So the more we can collaborate, the more it's holistic. I completely agree. It's going to create better successful outcomes and change of behaviour long term. 
Um, just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on again. We will do some future podcasts um, specifically looking into diabetes education and what that realm looks like and might bring you back again, Nick, and we'll do one specifically on diet and changes with that too. Um, for anyone that wants more information, like I said, I'll pop the um, link in the bio so you can link up to McIntyre Health if you are looking for diabetes educators or dietitians in the future for your clients. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Body Track Academy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and found something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends to check it out. If you're not already in the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up. Join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content.